Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. They're still serving you, but I'm ready to jump into the word. Anybody ready to receive the word tonight? I am so excited about what God has for us tonight and what he's going to speak to you. Um, I believe that we are stepping into some new territory tonight, Um, brand new territory, and I think it's part of Um, the new playbook that God is downloading to us as a church. Um, And so I'm excited about it. I'm full of expectation. Um, God has told us that we are to really lean in to the concepts of healing, deliverance, but also discipleship. That's some of what God has been talking to us about And I'm not going to pull any punches tonight. I'm just going to get right into the word. And I believe that tonight there there will be captives set free in this room. I'm not playing church. Captives will be set free in this place tonight. If you believe it, put a yes in the atmosphere. There's going to be some people set free tonight. And I don't say that lightly. I say that because that's why Jesus came, is to set the captive free. And so um, just to make sure I don't confuse anybody, the title's Freedom. That ought to be simple enough. The title's Freedom tonight. And I've thought a lot about the wording, the terminology, because sometimes we get a little bit fearful if we talk about demons and deliverance and freedom. We're, we're scared that people might freak out a little bit if some, someone manifests, if a demon manifests and we have to deal with it. Um, and, you know, as I thought about it, it couldn't have come at a better week than uh, as I scrolled through my social media on Monday uh, and everything on there had to do with a performance, I guess, that happened on Sunday. Um, that was extremely demonic. But here's, here's what I want you guys to know. We should expect sinners to sin. That's what they do. Sinners sin. Um, the problem is when we, as believers, open ourselves up to participate in that kind of sin. That's, that's the problem. And so it's not about sinners sinning, but for me, it's like if the devil wants to be so bold that he will come out and put it in your face, then I believe that it's time that the church of the living God take our rightful place in him. And we start preaching until demons back up. We start preaching. Come on, somebody. I need a little help tonight. If he's going to be so bold and not hide out in a closet, then we ain't hiding in no closet in some back room. We're going to preach Jesus and him crucified, and we're going to see the captives set free. Go ahead and give God a praise tonight. Come on. You guys are ready. Y'all ready? Um, I'm going to teach and preach tonight, 
and it's brand new content for me. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I started uh, around 8:30 or 9 this morning. Uh, I'd been thinking about this message for weeks, but I, you know, I had a lot of thoughts. I hadn't put pen to paper, uh, and you know, I started around 8:30 or 9, and 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 Pastor Karen texted me about 1:30 and said, "Are you done?" I said, "No." I'm nowhere near done, um, and I hadn't gotten up and done anything else, and it went for a few more hours, and part of it was because I believe that, spiritually speaking, that what I'm going to talk about over these next few minutes, I believe that the enemy was resisting. I was struggling to put it together. I was struggling to get my thoughts right. I didn't know what order to put things in. It was a struggle all day long, and usually when that happens... Um, it's because God wants to do something. And so um, I'm going to talk to you about freedom. And let me give you one line, and there's a lot of scripture tonight because I'm going to teach and preach. Um, but when we get saved, we get Jesus, right? When we get saved, we get Jesus. So we get Jesus, and then from that point, we, we begin to grow and develop in our relationship with the Lord. And we appropriate by faith all the things Jesus came to do. That's what you and I do in our relationship with God. He came to save us, but he also came to do several other things. And you say, well, what are the other things? I'm glad you asked because Jesus told us. In Luke chapter 4, look at verses 18 and 19. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, if you were to break down those things that he said he came to do, um, you'll find out that to preach the gospel to the poor, that is a picture of salvation. To heal the brokenhearted, that is a picture of inner healing. How many are thankful that God will heal your emotions? He goes on to say recovery of sight to the blind. That is speaking to us about physical healing. And then he goes on to tell us to proclaim liberty to the captives that is simply freedom to those who are in bondage. God creates by speaking. In the book of Genesis, we, we know that God, when he began to create, he did not wave his hand. He spoke. When he wanted light, he proclaimed, let there be light. And the scripture says there was light. And so Jesus is saying in Luke 4, I came to speak freedom to people who are in bondage. In other words, I came to create freedom to those who are in bondage. Now tonight, we are going to mess a little bit with some religious spirits. Um, Y'all know me, I don't care. Um... I'm, I'm going to make a statement, and depending on your history and theological background, this has the potential to rub some of you the wrong way. All right? 
Here we go. <laughs> believers, everybody say believers. believers. Listen to me. Believers can be in bondage. Now this, now I, I don't want you to stay there. If you find yourself in bondage tonight, but it is very possible for you to be a believer and be in bondage. Now, some of you tonight, when I say that, you're like, yes, pastor, can you go ahead and get to the altar call? I already know I'm in bondage and I'm ready for prayer. But you got some people that want to act like they got it all together. Like that can't be possible. I grew up in a church where they, I mean, if you're really saved, you can't be in bondage. You can't be struggling with something. Um, but over the years in my experience, I have had countless encounters with people who sincerely loved Jesus and were really struggling. How many know that I'm telling you the truth tonight? They really did love Jesus, but they were also struggling. How many know sometimes two things can be true? Uh, you know, and, and so the point is, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to stay there, but I want you to know Jesus came to set us free, not only from the presence of sin, but he came to set us free from the power of sin. Now, now watch this. Um, when you get saved, you are saved from the penalty of sin. You're saved from the penalty. One day you're going to go to heaven and you will be saved from the presence of sin. But right now, as you grow and mature in Christ, you are being set free from the power of sin. And, and see, this is where Christ wants to take us because I am so tired of Christians being stuck in bondage, not living in freedom, not able to worship, not able to share their faith, not able to lift their hand. Why? Because they're struggling. They have bondage in their life. And so I want to drive this, this point home that it's possible to be saved and in bondage. In John's Gospel, chapter number 8, verse 32, it's a scripture we all know. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now the question we must ask when it comes to John 8, 32, is who was Jesus speaking to when he declared, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free? Jesus was speaking to believers. Right here, he's not talking to lost people. He's talking to people who believe, people that are starting to put their faith in Jesus and listen to his message. He was telling believers that you can know or come to know the truth more and more, and as you do, you will become freer in your walk with me. That's what he's telling. So look at the, the verse preceding John 8.32. Look at John 8, 31. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Let me ask, are they believers? Right? He said, to the Jews who believed him, he said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So there were Jewish people that did not believe Jesus, but there was also Jewish people that did believe in Jesus. And, and so Jesus is talking to believers and letting them know, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, here's where it gets interesting. 
The verse after John 8.32, John 8.33, look at this. I want you to see this verse. He just told him you can be free. The truth makes you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? Now, I, I don't know if you find that verse funny or not, but I find it a little bit funny because the, the children of Abraham, the Jews, the, the nation of Israel, they had been in bondage to everyone. They had been in bondage to the Grecians and the Chaldeans, to the Assyrians, to the Babylonians, to the Egyptians. They had known bondage multiple times. And yet they respond to this whole, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free or make you free. And they say, we've not been in bondage to anything. See, we Christians, even though we know Christ, we can still be in bondage. And you don't have to be um, in bondage. You don't have to stay there. But some of us tonight, if we were being really, really honest, you would say, you know what? I love the Lord. But this area of my life is out of control. This part of my life is not submitted to the Lordship of Christ. This part of my life is doing its own thing, and it's not in alignment with the Word of God. Let me, let me show you this a little bit further. In John eight thirty four, the very next verse, Jesus assuredly, I say to you, this is what Jesus said, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Okay, this is all, you got to read it all together. He said, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Um, and so Jesus is saying, if you're committing sin, he's saying you're in bondage. That's what slavery is, right? It's bondage. And so this text is not, though, if you, if you study the original language out, it's not talking about the person who messed up today, owned their mistake or their misstep, and they repented and they moved on. That's not what the text is referring to. The text is actually referring, the Greek word commits, when you study this out, it's actually, this is the person who is committed to sinning. That's what it means. They are committed to sinning. In other words, if we went a little bit deeper, it's whoever makes allowances for continuing in that sin, they end up in bondage. The sins that you have made allowances for, the ones that you have covered up, the ones that sometimes we say things like, this is just my thorn. Those are the sins that Jesus is talking about. The good news is, is that Jesus came to set you free. One of the ministries of Jesus is the ministry of deliverance, to set the captive free. Um, let's, let's go a little bit deeper, um, just so that you know. A lot of times when we're participating in a sin, whether it be uh, sexual sin, it could be pornography, it could be uh, addiction to a drug, it, it could be a lot, of, I could go down a long list of things, and what we think is, is that when we participate in the sin, that it doesn't, it's not a big deal. It'll be okay, the Lord will forgive us. But, but here's the thing, God will forgive you, but what you don't understand is that many of the things that you can get connected to 
that are sinful open up doors to the demonic. And this is the part that we don't want to talk about. This is the part that we don't want to discuss, that it can literally be in like opening up a window of your house and going to bed at night and pretending like we're all good, we're all okay, we'll sleep just fine. And while you're asleep, the enemy comes in, a robber comes in and, and you know, takes everything, maybe commits some kind of crime while they're there. I'm telling you, there are certain things that when you participate in them, you are opening up the door to demonic spirits you are inviting them you're inviting them into your home and listen we get we get so caught up on some of the sins but some of us it's not an addiction to a sexual sin some of us are addicted to fear addicted to anxiety did you know the bible calls fear a spirit what does that mean it means it's a demonic thing it's a spirit. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. That means if I'm in anxiety, I'm sinning. If he said, don't be anxious, and I'm anxious, I'm in sin. If he says, I haven't given you the spirit of fear, but I'm up all night in fear, Listen, a lot of the things that we just lay our head on and, and just take, you don't have to. A lot of the things that, that we're struggling with, Jesus is like, I came to set you free from that. Now watch this. In Matthew, I'm going to show you three gospel stories. I'm going to try to do this quickly. Come on, hit your neighbor and say that it won't take long. All right? Three gospel stories. I'm building, I'm building, believers can be in bondage, but tonight you're not going to stay in bondage. I'm just going to put it out there again. You're not staying in bondage. Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. Here's the way you can end up in bondage. I think it's important that we understand a lot of times when people are demonically oppressed, it can be a sexual sin, but listen to me. It can be, it can be a, a rejection in their life. It can be unforgiveness that opens up that door to the demonic being active in their life. It can be bitterness can be that door. But look at this. It says, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, now let me just stop and ask, is this Jesus talking? Come on, that's not a trick question. Is this Jesus talking? Right? It's Jesus talking. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. Now, let's stop here and ask, who would that king be? That's a reference to God. That is a reference to Jesus. How many of you know Jesus is king? Right? He says, uh, and this certain king wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Who would that be? That would be the believers. That would be the people that are in relationship with him. He's not talking about unbelievers. Um, he's talking to believers and about believers. And he says, and when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And from my best observation, that was roughly $50 million. How I many know that's a big debt? I don't know about you. Maybe you got this in your budget. That's way above my budget. Come on, give me an amen. 
right? That's a, that's a lot of debt, right? $50 million. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold or go into bondage with his wife, his children, all that he had, and that payments be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. How many know that sounds a whole lot like salvation? We owed a debt we couldn't pay. And Jesus canceled the debt. Jesus forgave. Anybody thankful that Jesus forgave you of all the stuff? Sounds a lot like salvation. It says, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's $44. He was just forgiven $50 million. And now he is going to hold $44 over someone else's head. Now check this out. It says, but that servant went out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him. Oh, he's going to pray for him. Oh, no, that's not what he's doing. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, or again, this is a Christian, right? That's kind of what we've, we've gleaned from this story. Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. I wonder who that would represent. I would suggest to you that represents demonic spirits. I'm going to deliver you to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also, y'all see the connection? My heavenly father also will do to you if each of you, what, what's he saying? My heavenly father will turn you over to the torturers from his heart if he does not forgive his brother his trespass. Now, Question, did Jesus tell us this story, right? Jesus is telling us the story. And some of you are reading this because it's New Testament. You're thinking, why would a loving father, why would a loving father allow this? Why would he allow us to be turned over to the torturers? Um, the reason he would do that is because it's just like a loving father of a child who would discipline their child to keep them from going down the wrong road. In the New Testament, there's, there's, there's one guy in sin, and Paul says, I, I, I'm turning him over to Satan so that eventually he will be saved for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit could be saved. And so we, we read verses like this and like, how could a loving father allow that to happen? But God is saying, I love you too much to let you keep going down the road. So I'm just going to back up and allow some stuff to happen to you because it'll get your attention and then you'll repent and you'll get back in relationship with me. 
Jesus came to set the captives free, right? How many believe he came to set the captives free? I believe that. Now, that's one, that's, that's one door. Man, there's so much. I realize I can't preach everything about this in one night. I understand. But I am excited. I want you to see this next passage. In Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21. Some of you brought a notepad. That was smart. It says, Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? These are the demons talking, by the way. Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. And as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife, mother, lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left. And she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick. Everybody say all. They brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Jesus in Mark 1, I love this because Mark 1, Jesus is preaching the kingdom of God, but he moves from preaching the kingdom to demonstrating the kingdom. Um, The Apostle Paul made a statement that he did not come with enticing words of men's wisdom, but he came in demonstration and in power. It's not enough to preach the kingdom. We have to be able to demonstrate the kingdom. And in Mark 1... Jesus is beginning his ministry, and he begins by preaching, but then he moves in to demonstrating it. And simply put, we we see that he goes to the synagogue, and a man there has an unclean spirit. He is under the influence of an unclean spirit. The NIV says, possessed by an evil spirit. Now, that's not the best translation. i got to say a couple things right here so that we grab a hold of this. When it comes to setting people free from demonic spirits, and, and God will baptize you in this by fire. I, I had no longer got, I mean, I had just got started preaching when God had me come upon someone with a demon. And it's like, wow, God, really? No classes, no notes, no, no step one, step two, step three. Do you know there's not a guide to casting out devils? And the reason there's not a guide to casting out devils is because God wants you to depend on the Holy Spirit every single time you do it. It keeps you humble. It keeps you from thinking you've got it figured out. It keeps you relying on his authority. 
And, and when, when you're dealing with demonic spirits, we oftentimes get hung up, especially in the American church, with the word possession. That's the word we, we get hung up on. Oh, pastor, they're possessed. Or maybe they're oppressed. And then you walk over here and somebody goes, no, they're depressed. It's like, no wonder we don't fool with this. Because we don't know what we're dealing with. We don't have any clue. But I need to remind all of us that the devil owns no one. No one. So possession is not the best word. I know we want to say he's demon-possessed. They foaming out the mouth. They may be foaming out the, out the mouth, but the devil does not own that person. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns everything. But with that being said, areas of our personality and areas of our life that are not submitted to Christ can, be, can come under demonic influence. And a lot of times when we're driving demons out, it doesn't mean the demons own us. It just means that we have opened up a door and there's demonic activity happening because of doors that we've opened. And this is why healing and deliverance is so important. But on the back side of that, listen to me, it does no good for you to respond to an altar service tonight and say, Pastor, I need to get free. I need the bondage broken. I need the demon removed. I need whatever it is. There's no need to do that if you're going to go right back out into it. No need. You say, well, that's, that's rude. That's mean. No, it's not. It says that if you do that, you're seven times worse. That if you're not filled with the Holy... This is where discipleship comes in. Discipleship keeps you clean. It keeps you free. The power of God will set you free in one moment. One moment. It'll set you free. But if you want to stay free, you better, you better walk the discipleship path. That means you ought to read your Bible and pray. Listen to me. If you're not in biblical community, you are disobeying the Scripture. We, I got like seven people like, woo And your reason is because we, we're not in biblical community. We're not being discipled. We're not taking it serious. Now, a couple of things, and I, I got to move on. I got to move on. I'll, I'll just preach again on this maybe the next month. Um, this guy in Mark 1, when Jesus is dealing with the unclean spirit in the man, in the text, Jesus dealt with the demon, not the man. Okay? He dealt with the demon, not the man. Um, Anytime there's demonic influence in a person's life, the demon must be dealt with. And this is where we get the understanding. Um, I know a lot of preachers have said it, and you've heard it said before. You can't counsel the devil out. If you have opened up a door to demonic activity in your life through bondage, through sin, through things that, that you're hooked on or addicted to, and you've opened the door wide open, a lot of times you're not going to be able to counsel that out. You're going to have to have a power encounter. And when the devil meets the Holy Spirit, he's got to go. Come on, somebody. I need a little help right there. He's got to go. So uh, here, I want you to get this. Jesus expelled the demon from the man, not the man from the church. 
Oh, somebody ought to give God a praise right there. Because I know how church people are. Oh, did you see them? They had a demon. Well, you had a bunch too before you met Jesus. Come on, we don't want to talk about our own demons. In church, we want to talk about everybody else's demons. But you had your own demons you had to deal with. And so he didn't remove the man from the church, and I love that because it's important that a lot of times people under demonic influence, and I have seen this, they're thrown out of the church. And the reason, listen, the only reason for that is because we don't know what to do with them. We don't know what to do. We, we don't know how to pray about it. We, we don't know how to cast it out. We, we're afraid, all kinds of things. But there's the church. Listen, the win is not Chad Dingus casting the devils out of people. The win is all of us casting devils out of people. That's the win. It's not the win if, 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 if we got to have a, a, a fire tunnel seven miles long. It, the win is if you've got a neighbor who has a demon, you can go over and pray with your neighbor and they get free. And you don't have to make a big hoopla out of it. Jesus came to set the captive free. Amen? Um, Jesus, watch this, and this is important. I, I know I'm teaching, but I want you to get this because as, when this starts happening, I need y'all, I said it Sunday, I need you to be cool. I know a lot of churches don't touch this, don't talk about this, don't want to do this. But I'm very concerned that Jesus, everywhere he went, he was casting out devils, yet we got churches that have never casted out a devil. How does that work? It doesn't. It was one of the primary ministries of Jesus. It's one of the main things he did. And he was not embarrassed by the interruption or the disturbance. In other words, cast, casting out devils cannot be seen as a nuance to us. Or like, like not a nuance, but a nuisance to us. Um, if, if we look at it as, oh, I don't really want to do that, and oh, they're on my nerves. Now, I, I'll be the first to admit, if we have to cast devils out of you every week, because you refuse to be discipled, I'm going to tell you, you're getting on my nerves. I don't want to spend every single Sunday praying for the same person to get free. I want you to get free, and I want you to live free. I want you to stay free. I want you to feel, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want, come on, somebody. I, I, I do. I want you to, to live this thing out. The other thing here, the demon spoke in both singular and plural forms. Um. They said, did you come to destroy us? In other words, the man had more than one. He had multiple. Um, the demon also stated to Jesus, I know who you are. Demons know Jesus. Right? So there are times that people need deliverance on multiple levels. And, and we'll have to, we've got to grow in this. I, I'm not an authority on it. I'm just telling you I'm, I'm ready to do what Jesus, I've had to do it, but it's been more like I had to do it, you know. It's like they show up and manifest right here. What are you going to do? You're going to do it. Um, and I'm not the guy who's going to go around looking for them. I, I am going to deal with them when they show up, and I'm going to make it available that if you need freedom, you can get it, Right? And, and we want you to be free, 
But a lot of times, one demon will kind of be like a gatekeeper of several more, and if you can get to the root of the issue and get rid of the one, the rest of them will leave. But, but it takes a little work. It takes some prayer. It takes, Holy Spirit, show me what I'm dealing with. Help me. The, the next thing is, is that, and, the, and I want you to understand this, it's reasonable to assume that the man was a regular member of the synagogue. In other words, this guy had been coming to church probably for years, and no one, ne- no one knew that he needed deliverance from a demon. How many, how many think that's interesting? That's very interesting to me. This happened in the synagogue. This wasn't, prob- this wasn't some guy who just, you know, hopped in there one day. This guy probably was at the synagogue every time it was open. And he needed a deliverance. Now, again, a believer can be in bondage. I'm going to show you one more text, and then we're going, we'll, we'll wrap it up. It says uh, in Galatians 3, verse 7, it says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Okay, so those who believe in Jesus as the Messiah, we are sons of Abraham. We've been grafted into that covenant. Now let's read Luke chapter 13, another gospel story. It says, starting in verse 10, it says, He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. So the Bible tells us she has a spirit, and this spirit has been with her for 18 years, and it is tormenting her. She's been over and could in no way raise herself up, but when Jesus saw her, He called her to him. Now, this is interesting to me because a lot of times people that were struggling, they would come to Jesus. But Jesus saw this woman and called her out. In other words, he noticed something about this, and he called her over to himself, I believe because he noticed something. And he said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and in a week after she named it and claimed it, right, immediately, when the creator of the universe touches you, you are changed immediately. Immediately. She was made straight. She glorified God. And, and here's where it gets real interesting. It says, but the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose, there's the word loose again, loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it, so ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. This synagogue leader is like the pastor. And he comes over to Jesus, and he's upset that Jesus healed the woman on the Sabbath because he views healing as working. And not only does he view healing someone as working, he he views the woman getting the healing as like working. 
How many know we get hung up on stupid stuff in church? Right? I mean, think about this woman, 18 years, immediately set free, and we got a pastor walking over there. What do you think you're doing? Shut it down. Stop it. You're working on the Sabbath. We're not going to talk about a woman for 18 years has been bent over. And one moment in the presence of Jesus, she was able to straighten up and glorify Jesus. Why aren't we focused on that part of it? Now, how many believe this is one book, one author, though 40 men may have penned it, it's still one author, the Holy Spirit, right? The daughter of Abraham, this woman, had a spirit for 18 years in bondage, she was a daughter of Abraham. Ought not she be loosed is what Jesus said. It's the same word loosed that Jesus used with Lazarus. You remember Lazarus? He's dead. Jesus raises him from the dead. But when Lazarus came out, when he raised him from the dead, that's a picture of salvation. That's what that is. He, how many know we, we were dead in our sins and then we came alive in Christ. But when he came out, he came out bound. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. So, so I, I love this. Jesus came not only to save you for heaven, but he came to set you free on the earth from every single sin that binds you. Every single thing that would hold you captive, he came to set you free. You don't have to live in bondage. You don't have to be controlled by everything going on in your life. You can step out of it in the name of Jesus and walk and live in freedom. Somebody give him praise tonight. Now, let, let's be real honest. I, I see what time it is. We're only, we're only 70 minutes in. I'm getting ready to get you into the altar. Um, when, when you first get saved, there's a lot of things you're immediately set free from that were immediate. Like, I struggled with that the day before I got saved. I don't struggle with that no more. But how many know there's some things that hang on? Can I get an amen there? Some of y'all, no, nothing hung on to me. I've been just like Jesus since I got saved. Perfect. There's some things that hang on. Some things come off immediately. But there's other things that if you don't submit that to Christ, you're going to struggle. If you, don't, if you don't bring that into the presence of God, you're going to struggle. And here's the thing about the, the parts of our life where we are not inviting the Holy Spirit and we're not submitting it to the Lordship of Christ and we're not getting accountability through small groups and discipleship and so we're just, we're covering it and when we do that, what happens is is we are stiff-arming the Holy Spirit. Y'all ever seen a football player running down the field and they get ready to tackle him and they're like, pow, we'll stiff-arm you. We're stiff-arming the Holy Spirit from accessing that part of our life. And I want you to know that that not, not only has a negative impact on you personally, it's going to have a negative impact on your entire life and the ministry God has for you. Because whether you recognize this or not, as a believer, you have a ministry. Every person is called to ministry, to serve God and to serve others. 
Many of the people that came to Jesus, please hear, hear this, don't tune me out. They were seeking Jesus for healing. They would come to him for healing, for their sicknesses. And as they were getting healing for their sicknesses, in order for the healing to take place, he had to deal with the demon first. That a lot of times the physical healing is connected to the demonic activity that needs driven out. That they are connected. All throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see people who wanted healing, but for them to get healed, he had to drive out the demon. Which tells me some sicknesses are straight from the pits of hell. That it wasn't about lack of exercise or what you ate. Some sicknesses are straight from the devil himself. That's why it said about the woman, she had a spirit of infirmity. For her to be healed, he had to deal with the spirit of infirmity. Delivering people from demons was confirmation of the message that Jesus preached. Many of the people he set free, watch this, they were normal people, had families, had jobs, went to church, and he delivered them from demonic oppression. And now he has transferred. I won't read a ton of scripture. I'm going to give you one more. Because the ministry of Jesus in the area of healing the sick and casting out devils, he has now put into our hands. This ministry is supposed to continue to go forward. Which means sick people, it ought to be normal they get healed in church. It means that devils being driven out should be a normal thing. At church, that should be a part of what we're here to do. In Matthew 10 and 1, it says, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Mark 16 says, These signs shall follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out devils and speak with new tongues. How many are ready to do everything Jesus is calling you to do? I need you to put a little shout in the atmosphere, some of you. We got to do this, man. We got to do this. As the worship team comes back, I want you to stand with me. I'm going to try to close in about three minutes. Deliverance. Deliverance. I, talk, I, I thought about just saying freedom, and, and, and we get freedom, but I, I just want to be as close to the Bible as possible. If the Bible says cast the devil out, I'm just want to go ahead and say cast the devil out. I don't want to confuse people. Because I get up here and talk all nice and say freedom. It's good. Freedom's good. But sometimes freedom means we cast the devil out. Um, and listen to me. Please don't think. I'm going to teach you right here just for a second. When somebody's having a demon driven out of them, that demon does not leave that person and jump on other people. That's stupid. I was a little kid in church one time. They were getting ready to cast devils out. And they said, get all the kids out of here. They had the wild, wild eyes. Get them out of here. We're casting the devil out and it'll get in little Johnny. Little Chad's going to be possessed after this. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. It's a scare tactic, but that's when we cast devils out from this pulpit, we send them back where they came from. They don't jump on people. They don't jump on people. 
It's not the way it works. If you have a demon, it's because you personally opened up doors to your life for demons to be there. We don't cast them out of this person and they end up on this person. Doesn't work. Okay? Everybody understand what I'm saying? So when it comes to deliverance, right now, I just want you to participate and ask the Holy Spirit, because the whole premise of the message was believers can be in bondage. That it's possible. So I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there an area of bondage in my life, Jesus, that you want to proclaim liberty over? Some of you, you already know what it is. You came in knowing what it is. Some of you may need the Holy Spirit to give you some direction tonight on what that is. Is there an area of your life where you need God to proclaim liberty over that that part of your life? You say, what, what do you mean by that? It's an area that you've battled for a long time. An area that seems like you have no power over it. That's why we call it bondage. Listen, if you've, if you've had a sin in your life that you, you've, you've even said things like, I'm never going to do it again. And you keep doing it. That's, that's the area that Jesus wants. To, I'm telling you, he's going to proclaim liberty over you. He's going to proclaim freedom over your life. It's, it's, it's the cycles of things that we continue to struggle with over and over again. And here's here's what I want to do tonight. I only want those who have been authorized by our prayer team and staff, only you all, to come forward at this point. If you guys would, go ahead and get in place. We're getting ready to open up these altars. Um, but I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I want you guys those that are in the altars I want you to work in groups of two okay if you're on the altar team or the staff work in groups of two let one person lead and one person just pray and assist okay here's the thing I'm getting ready to lead us in a prayer and I believe that some of you even as we go through this prayer the power of the Holy Spirit is going to set you free and it's going to be instant How many believe God can do that right now? So, is there an area of bondage that you need free from? I want to tell you, Jesus has all power. And this right here, listen to me, there's a reason why I struggled all day. It was for this moment. This is a holy moment. It's not difficult for Jesus. I know you think this is difficult. I've had it for 22 years, Pastor. I've struggled for 11 years, whatever it may be. Nothing is too hard for Jesus. It's not too hard. I'm going to be very clear right here because I I want sound biblical teaching. Just because you've been set free does not mean you will never be tempted again. That's where discipleship comes in. That's where accountability comes in. Jesus will set you free. But how many know we got we to gotta stay free? We got to want to stay free. 
So here, here we go. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, if you would just lift up your hands right there where you are all over this room. Some of you right now, you're thinking about that area that you've been struggling with. This is about to be a powerful moment for you. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus that this is not a hard thing for you. And Satan, we just say to you tonight that you must obey Jesus. God, we thank you that all throughout the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that you were casting demons out of people. You were setting people free from bondage. And I declare on the authority of your word today, freedom for my brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus. That in the name of Jesus, I command every spirit of lust and pornography and adultery and sexual immorality to go in Jesus' name. I command every spirit of pride, anger, manipulation, or control to go in Jesus' name. I command every spirit of insecurity and inferiority, fear, anxiety, and worry to go in the name of Jesus. That every demon of addiction, whether it be alcohol, drugs, or food, every spirit of addiction, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of unforgiveness, bitterness, malice, envy, and jealousy. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. It's not by the authority of my voice, but it is the authority of Jesus Christ. Every demonic spirit that has held your people in bondage, we command them to go in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Begin to pray. Begin to pray in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray right now that where demons flee, where demons leave, that the Holy Spirit would feel. Now here's the thing, many of you, you're, you're like, here's my struggle, I know what it is, but I need to connect with prayer. I want you to right now get out of your seat. I want you to get out of your seat and say, you know what, I've had this area of bondage. I, I, I need somebody to agree with me. I want you to right now go ahead and move don't be bashful you're saying i i want to be free i don't want to deal with the fear i don't want to deal with the anxiety i don't want to deal with the lust i don't want to be addicted i don't i don't want this in my life i want to be free in jesus name if that is you i need you to move i need you to move in jesus name in jesus name in the name of Jesus listen I'm going to say this real quick this is important here are some keys everybody look up here real quick here's some keys if you want to be free if you want to be free a couple of things you've got to do one of them is you've got to humble yourself and when it comes to getting free, listen to me, you'll have a choice between dignity or deliverance. And if you choose dignity, it's because you have not been set free from pride. I, I need somebody to, to grab hold of this. If you choose dignity, you're gonna miss out on your deliverance. This is not a dignified moment. This is I want to be free 
In the name of Jesus, there are more that need to move. In the name of Jesus, move. Find your way to this altar. We still got prayer people that don't have anybody with them yet. Come on, make that, make that step. Make that step. In Jesus' name. Worship team, you guys better get in place. I'm going to kind of go down here and flow for a minute. But lead us. Jesus. Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.